Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. For today's episode, I'm interviewing Johnny Crowder. Johnny is a suicide abuse survivor, TEDx speaker, touring musician, mental health and sobriety advocate, and the founder and CEO of Cope Notes a text-based mental health platform that provides daily support to users in nearly 100 countries across the globe. Welcome, Johnny. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me all the way up in D.C. <laughs> I know, huh? <laughs> well, it's, let's, can you just let's start out with sharing a little bit of background uh, with our listeners? Yeah, I'm, um, I always say this, if you want the long unedited version, um, you can watch my Ted talk because that is the true unadulterated 18 minute explanation of how wacky my life has been. But the short version (laughs) is, um, I'm 28 and I grew up here in Tampa, Florida and I, I experienced a lot of abuse, uh, growing up. I was diagnosed with a number of mental health conditions, um, the primarily schizophrenia, bipolar disorder and OCD as well as uh, PTSD, ADHD, ABCDEFG, um, a whole <laughs> long list of different diagnoses. And I um, made several attempts on my life. I'm very happy that I was unsuccessful and I'm still alive today. And I went to school for psych because I wanted to figure out what on earth was happening in my brain. And that's kind of when I got involved in peer support and public advocacy uh, back in 2011 in college. And ever since then, my life has been centered around public advocacy, whether it's through music or speaking at events or now through Cope Notes. So it's kind of cool to work in mental health after experiencing such trauma and pain in mental health. It feels very full circle. Yeah. Well, and you, you have that sense of knowing that you can, and you can truly help people. I think people, honestly, my biggest mistake growing up, well, I don't know, there were lots of mistakes, I'm sure. But (laughs) one big mistake was thinking that I had to be a clinician to help people. I figured like, oh no, if I don't get my master's or my doctorate, then there's no way I'm going to be able to help people. And now I realize that's super not true. There's so many different ways you can help, whether you have a diploma on your wall or not. Exactly. Well, and I am glad you're here with us today on many levels. Me too. Yeah. So um, our topic for today is rethinking self-care in a pandemic. So let's start out with why, and then let's get into the how. Yeah, the why is, so I'm not going to lie, this this pandemic kicked my butt. And I didn't want to admit it because I like to think of myself as someone who's very good at adapting to change and pivoting. Um, But I like wouldn't admit to myself that things had changed. So um, the way I think about it is like, imagine you're in a snow globe. And, um, you know, everything looks nice and peaceful. And then someone turns the snow globe upside down and all the snow is like rushing everywhere. I and a lot of people this year, when the snow globe was turned upside down, we are like, it's not snowing. (laughs) Like we're just trying to stay cool, stay calm, keep doing what we were doing when the snow globe was right side up. And it's like, we have to come to terms with the fact that so many things changed that we can't keep relying on what we did before. And I think what really sort of tipped me off to the fact that I couldn't keep going the way I was is, uh, you know, there was one day early in the pandemic, this was like March, maybe 
And I was feeling super overwhelmed uh, with work and with um, I'm a musician and without the music industry uh, being alive, we had all of our tours canceled for the year. I was feeling really sad and despondent mm. and I was like, Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll go to the gym. And I'm like, Oh, I no. and then I'm like, well, I can't go to concerts. And then, Oh, I can't go see my friends. And then I thought, well, you know what I can do is Oh no, I can't go to church. And so I went through this whole list of things that I would normally do when I was feeling down. And then I figured the one thing that is still sacred is I can go to the basketball court near my house and play basketball. And so I walk and it's not, it's close, but it's not that close. I walked like a half hour to get to the basketball court, holding my basketball and I get there and they removed the hoops from, Oh no. Uh, backboards so that people wouldn't go to the park and play because they're trying to keep people inside. And I remember just thinking like, I need to make a change because all of my normal coping mechanisms are off limits for the time being. Yeah. A lot of people are in that same boat. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to stop denying, (laughs) except that's definitely a great why. So now what about the how? (sighs) You know, this year has looked a lot different from what I thought it would look like. So I was in treatment for 10 plus years, like traditional treatment, therapy, taking medication. Um, I was doing mandatory counseling. I did all of these different forms of treatment, met with all these different doctors for years. And up until this year, I had been off of, I'd been out of treatment um, for several years, like since I don't even know when I finished weaning off my medication, but it had definitely been a couple years, um, since I had been in formal treatment and at probably late spring. So like April or May, I started doing PTSD treatment. And that is something that I had been putting off for a long time because, I had I had so many other things to focus on. Like first things first, I wanted to make yeah. sure I didn't end my own life. And then the second priority was to work on my hallucinations. And so PTSD was kind of at the bottom of my list for a while. And uh, I think the the short answer to how is you have to do something different. You have to. You can't say, well, I'll I'll do virtual concerts or you know. I'll do, you can't make these little compromises where you're trying to cling on to uh, what used to be because all that's doing, at least for me, all that did was create dissonance. It made me more sad that I can't go to concerts. Um, And what I really had to do is just do something different. And ironically, what was different for me was actually doing treatment again after several years of being out of it. But one thing that I want to clarify is, you know, it self-care doesn't have to look like what you think it looks like traditionally. Like a lot of yeah. people, if I ask someone what does self-care look like, they're like, oh, uh, meditating and mindfulness practices. And, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but also for you, it might be something completely different. Like what calms you down? And for, for me, something that brings me genuine joy is looking at supercars like yeah. watching videos about them. And um, I've been to some car shows and you get to see these beautiful works of art, like teams of designers made all of these little creases and folds and lines 
in this giant, beautiful machine. And it's just stunning to view architecture like that. And for me, for some people, they're like, well, he just likes cars. But for me, I know personally that that is a coping strategy. It is self-care to me because it pulls me out of my sort of ongoing 2020 migraine, worrying about everything. And I think self-care doesn't have to look like self-care to other people. It has to feel like self-care to you. So if that's how you feel when you're doing yard work or collecting stamps or, I don't know, cleaning out your dresser, if there's anything that sort of helps you feel present and uh, at least for a moment, not fixated around your anxiety about what's going on, that I consider that self-care. Yeah. So we need to do something different. And we, knowing that our brains, it's so hard to see, or, or I should say, you, you, you don't know what you don't know. Yep. Yeah. So is there a way that we can be able to open up our brains to be able to see something different so we're not holding on to the past as much? Well, uh, something that I've been doing during the pandemic that might actually help people is uh, I've just been doing three things every day. I obviously, I obviously do more than three things per day, but I'm just saying these are yeah. three things <laughs> that I've been doing every day that have helped me um, keep my brain open to new things without abandoning the things that I know I love. So um, the first thing I always try to do is I try to do something that feels the same. Like uh, right now I am in my bedroom where I've been working from all year and I'm wearing jeans and socks. I don't need to, I could be in basketball shorts and I mean, it's Friday. This is a virtual interview. No one would know if I was wearing basketball shorts and I was barefoot, <laughs> but I'm, I'm even wearing a coat note shirt right now. So I'm wearing my work clothes at home while no one can see me. And there's something about that consistency that helps me feel like there's still some remnant of the world that I love out there. Mm, it helps me yeah. feel not so detached from reality. Even I'll do my hair, even if I'm not seeing anybody, I'll, I'll kind of brush the hair out of my face and try to look presentable or trim my beard, even though I'm not seeing anyone and little things like that help me feel grounded. But then every day I try to do something that feels different. So first thing I do is something that feels the same to kind of set the tone for the day and ground myself. The second thing is I try to do something different. So like listening to a band that I've never heard or um, watching a clip of a YouTube, like a YouTube clip of a comedian that I've never listened to, or, um, you know, trying to cook a dish that I've never tried to cook before. Um, just so I can have this day feel like, um, unique in some way. Cause I don't know yeah. you, but a lot of my days have started to blend together this year. <laughs> yes. so if I can look back at my week and be like, Oh, well, Tuesday I tried to cook Thai food and that didn't go super well. Um, uh, <laughs> Wednesday I did watch that clip of Rory Scovel on YouTube and I thought he was pretty funny. And all of a sudden each day has this little defining characteristic and you're slowly opening your mind to new things that you might enjoy. Um, and then the third thing I would say is uh, reach out to somebody, like start, initiate a conversation. It doesn't have to be a long one. 
but just actively say something to someone unprompted. And I think ultimately the first step grounds you by doing something that feels familiar. The second step opens you up and helps you differentiate your days. And the third one, makes sure that you're staying connected even when you're physically isolated. Oh, I love those. I'm doing number one and three very well, but I think I need to do number two a little differently. Pun intended. I mean, that's how I found out <laughs> that's how I found out that I love cars. Like I've always liked cars throughout my life, but I never really dug in. And now I'm a total nerd about cars. I have like a die cast <laughs> uh, Ferrari and a die cast McLaren and a die cast Lamborghini on my wow. right now. And I stare at them while I work. And I never knew that I had such a deep interest in cars until I allowed myself to try enough new things until one thing really resonated with me. And that was cars. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's also a, like, um, cool things that I learned about myself that I had no idea that were there. Dude, <laughs> kind I didn't of even know I liked basketball until I tried to play. Yeah. I was I never interested in basketball before I actually just, my buddy had a ball and we were just hanging out and being really informal. And I tried shooting and I was like, holy crap, this is actually really fun. I didn't even know I liked this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was kind of how I discovered escape rooms. My daughter <laughs> literally dragged us to one and, you know, 500 escape rooms later. <laughs> holy crap. Are you serious? 500? Yeah, I'm addicted. Yep. So that would be an example of, you know, finding something that you didn't even realize that you enjoyed. And what I love about that discovery process is it doesn't even have to be something that interests you right now. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I liked cars they were fine, but I didn't really care until I sort of allowed myself the space to try to care. And same with you with escape rooms, like you weren't excited about it until after you tried it. So yep. definitely anyone listening who's like, well, I don't really want to cook Thai food or I don't want to take an improv class or whatever. Like just you don't have to be excited about it now to discover that you actually really love it. Yeah. Just try it. Right. You may, you may surprise yourself. Yeah. <laughs> what are there any other things you recommend for rethinking self-care? Well, I think one thing that I want to kind of a, a myth that I want to bust around self-care is that it is selfish um, I, not only do I see this a lot, but I also, um, unfortunately have a nasty habit of exhibiting this kind of attitude where <laughs> I will consider something for myself and then kind of explain it away. Like, well, I really should be working or I really should be doing something for somebody else, or I should be productive. I should be working out. Um, I, I just want to kind of debunk that. Because the other day, the happiest I've felt maybe all year uh, was this past weekend. I had just, I got home from this car show um, and there was like a 15 minute period where nobody was in my house and I was just by myself sitting on my couch and I got a piece of cheese and some crackers and I sat down and ate cheese and crackers by myself in my living room and nobody needed anything from me. There was no noise and it was like the most blissful I have been Aww. in a long time. And I felt my attitude at work this week was way good. It was like, 
I felt so much more hope and optimism and positivity and motivation. Um, and I really do credit those 15 minutes of just chilling out, like not, not being productive, not needing to do anything. And if you think of self-care as an ROI, like if I put 15 minutes of self-care into this machine and I get an hour of uh, positive energy and boosted productivity and a great infectious positive attitude out of it, then why wouldn't I put an hour in and get four hours out? You start to realize yeah. that the ROI, the exchange of investment in yourself is always worth what comes out of it. Oh, yeah. I love that perspective. That that should help people make this a priority because if you're not taking care of yourself, then you're not good for anything else. <laughs> And that's, you hear the, um, the thing that everyone hears all the time is the oxygen mask thing. Like if yeah. you're going down, you're supposed to put your own oxygen mask before someone else's. And I think that that's noble, but it gets so repeated that people forget what the, the implications of that. What that means is that you're, if you're trying to protect your daughter and you pass out first, your daughter might die. Like, not yeah. to be morbid, but this isn't just a fun uh, colloquial phrase that people throw around so much that you should forget what it means. It means that you might be putting the people you love in danger by not taking care of yourself. Yeah. So I don't want people to lose the impact of that metaphor. Like if you truly care about the people around you, you have to invest in yourself to make sure that you are healthy enough to be in a relationship with them in the first place. Yeah. Oh, well stated. <laughs> wow. So now, um, if listeners want to learn more about you, what you do, what resources you provide them. Uh, could you tell us about that? Yes. So, um, yeah, TED Talk is great if you want to learn about me. And there's a little bit about coconuts in there. But um, for anyone listening, I have two main projects in my life. Uh, the first of which is called Prison, and it is a metal band. So if you are a metalhead or someone who uh, is curious about trying something new, like we just talked about, um, you can look up prison on Spotify or Apple music or wherever um, and see if it's something that you enjoy. And we talk about a lot of mental and emotional health issues in our lyrics. So this is definitely part of my public advocacy effort. Oh, and wow. then my, my full-time job, especially while the music industry is shut down is um, I run a digital mental health platform called cope notes and to keep this short and sweet, we use daily text messages to help people improve their mental and emotional health over time, whether they are living with a diagnosis or not. So I don't care if you're listening to this and you have a laundry list of diagnoses longer than mine, or if you've never, ever been diagnosed with anything, I created this tool to help you invest in yourself and build healthier mental habits. Um, and the website is just copenotes.com. You can get subscriptions for yourself or your friends or family members. Uh, we're, we're beta testing a family plan right now. So if you get in in time, depending on when you're listening to this, you might be able to use it. And then we also serve groups. So like um, nonprofits and insurance companies and businesses and schools, uh, recently, we had an Ultimate Frisbee team ask us for a group subscription. So uh, we pretty much serve anyone with a cell phone and a brain. So if you're curious, you can go to <laughs> and there's all sorts of information on that page. Oh, I love that mission. I love it. So your final piece of advice for our listeners. 
Mm. How about how about this? Um, and this is always tough because you only get one, but I'll say this. If you are listening to this right now and for the last 19 minutes you've thought, well, this is cool, but I really should send it to my colleague or, you know, my cousin should really listen to this. Um, this is for you. Like stop excluding yourself from the mental health conversation. I, I spent almost my entire life doing that, saying, oh, that's for other people and I'm so different. Listen, you're, you're special, but you're not different. You know, like everyone has a brain, everyone feels uh, frustration and anxiety and doubt and guilt and stress. So you are a human being and human beings need and deserve support. So just please extend to yourself the same support and care that you would extend to your colleague or cousin or whoever you think should be listening to this right now. It's for you too. Oh, very wise. Oh, thank you, Johnny. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Great to meet you. If you'd like to learn more about Johnny, visit his website and podcast at copenotes.com. Follow him on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Johnny Crowder loves you. And watch his TEDx talk, copenotes.com forward slash TEDx. Interested in expanding your employee development program? Visit ChristinaEans.com to look at the many workshops Christina has available for you.